We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm up your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hey, CMOS girlies. We're back with another pod. Emma and I are soon to get microphones. Uh, a few minutes before we started recording this, I checked my mail and I have a microphone now. Emma's is pending, correct? Yeah, pending. I feel like it's probably lost. Who knows where it's at? So I'll but, get a microphone at some point. But I figured we should be on equal footing. And so I still am recording through my shitty Dell Mac like laptop here because I didn't want to. What if the quality was incredible, right? Got rid of all of our vocal fry and everything. Um, I think we should have gotten like those T-Pain mics. That would be insufferable to listen to someone talk about the gut microbiome and just be like, you know what a postbiotic is. But um, we, should somehow, we should somehow figure out how to like edit like audio recordings. I think that would be funny. Yeah, that, that's how we should spend our ample time, making our just audio even fucking worse than it already is. But how's your Wednesday, dog? You're with the office, right? I was in the office. Yeah, we're also doing an evening podcast and I feel like my brain operates more efficiently in the morning. So we'll see how this goes, but it's like a gloomy day on this Wednesday that we are recording. And, you know, that's been fine. I just feel like, you know, life has kind of been like, whatever you and I had like a big heart to heart kind of yesterday about our struggles and annoyances with just health stuff from time to time. Just why Um, we're besties, how our brains are wired exactly the same. We finish each other's sentences. You know, we haven't, as soon as I started to send a voice memo to you after you sent me your first one, I was like, damn, I've not done this in a while. That's how our friendship was started. Just the voice memos back and forth. If you are actually a true fan, you know, the voice memo podcast was our origin story. So yeah, it felt good to have a little heart to heart moment. I know. Yeah. We haven't done any yeah, voice memos in a while. They kind of fell out, but maybe we'll bring them back into our personal lives. But yeah, basically for anyone who's also struggling with amenorrhea like me, um, I'm here for you and it sucks. And it's annoying because yeah, like I feel like to find like an OBGYN or like to get any doctor's appointment, it's like so challenging with availability. And it's like, I've had to wait like two months for like me to even get like a, an appointment. So 
you know, TBD on that. I'm definitely trying to do everything that I can in my power to get my period back, but it is also very daunting and overwhelming because it's like all the advice is the same, but also it's like just, yeah, it's really overwhelming. Yeah. Also, I was going to say, even if you're someone like me, like I've gotten blood work because when I was like rushed to the ER and then I got like personal blood work through like some online service, whatever the hell I did. I don't remember when that was, I think February, even if you have the blood work, like it's still hard to analyze what you're doing right and wrong. Like I had a full 30 minute consultation with the doctor and it's still like, I don't feel like I'm performing any more optimally. And it just sucks that I feel like there's a fine line between oh, I want to do this because I'm healthy. And then you're kind of in this era of like self-optimization where you're like, I need to be perfect on all these biomarkers. And it's like so weird. I feel like a lot of people have done critiques of the wellness industry as it's like this hyper individual, like, you know, capitalist, like realism, whatever. And I feel like that's hard for me too, because I'm like, oh, I want to know what my body's doing. But then like, for me, when I was like misdiagnosed with insulin resistance, I'm like, I'm going to eat blueberries. Like I'm not going to not eat fruit and be like an orthorexic freak. So it's complicated, but I feel like we all go through our little bouts and I'm manifesting for Emma that period comes soon. I'm manifesting period blood stains. You want to manifest feet. Emma's period. My dad listens to this podcast. Like, <laughs> what have I gotten myself into? Um, yeah. Hi dad. If you're listening to this, maybe you don't listen to this, but also so be it. Also, I wanted to bring up that probiotics save lives. So again, as I've been like going through it, there was a period of time that I didn't have a probiotic from like basically my last few days of being home to like when I came back to New York, maybe like five or six days. And like my digestion was off and like, I was still drinking my magnesium and usually magnesium, you know, helps get things like regular. And like, I just like was feeling really, really off. And then I was like, you know what? We need to buy a fucking probiotic. I like truly ordered like the mind body green one. I think I got it like express delivery to my house. Cause I was like, I need something. I couldn't find the one that I currently take at any of the places in New York. And now I feel incredible in that regard of my health. So if you're someone who's like, maybe I get a probiotic, maybe I don't, this is me telling you that, yeah, maybe you should get a probiotic. Yeah, there is research for it. I feel like I've I've seen on TikTok, um, oh my God, just eat sauerkraut, it's a probiotic. No, like we've done a whole episode about that. And I know people are going to fight me for that take that probiotic pills are expensive and shit, but there is clinical research that goes into the difference between a probiotic pill and you just eating kimchi. Okay, girlies, I hate to break it to you, right? Not saying you can't do one or the other, but there is science behind pills. Otherwise they would not be there. Okay. Next. Um, my recent thing has been peppermint tea. I know a lot of like freaks on TikTok talk about it as like a deep bloating thing. And I'm so sick of the conversations about bloating. Like, sh- I hate being fixated on the fact that I am bloated and just like hearing that I should be worried about it. Whatever. I don't care. I only care if I'm uncomfortable. Right. That's like only the times I really care about bloating, but peppermint tea is good. Like I've had it at restaurants and I've never really thought to buy it, but it's so soothing. And I've been kind of sick of like the, um, the Bengal spice, like spicy teas. So it's been a nice blend, but I came across it because people said it was like good for like digestion before bed, which I haven't really like taken it for, but I just kind of like the minty taste, you know? Um, and then my next one is that, uh, you know, I went had a Chase Bank debacle today. Jesus fucking Christ. I, I have to get a bank because I am a business and corporation. So if I want to, for the girlies, also someone in Geneva said in like the podcast talk, like I want an episode solely about like wellness influencers and like PR and like affiliate stuff. I could chat with you if you want to. I don't think we're going to do a podcast episode about that, but like, that's technically what I do for a job. So I am comfortable to answer DMs. If you're curious about the insider baseball, 
But the insider baseball is that I had to get a business bank account because anytime I spend money on stuff, like let's say I get a new iPhone, I could write that off for taxes because it's my job. So I go on the Chase Bank website. I fill out all my information about my corporation, where it's filed, my EIN number, whatever. I get rejected twice. It's like, sorry, you have to go to an in-person branch. And I'm like, fuck. I live down the street from one. I go in. I'm wearing my Hoka Kaparos. Favorite shoe, like ugly, fugly, fugly shoe. I walk in there with like a mini skirted tube top from that Gima gloss. I don't know how to pronounce it. I guess, I think. I <laughs> yeah. I told you I got close in there and you're like, bitch, what? <laughs> But yeah, I go into Chase Bank and this like average fucking normie man from Connecticut that plays across is like obsessed with me. He's like, he's like, oh my hey. God. Like, he's like, what'd you do for Memorial Day weekend? What are you doing this weekend? Oh, I live right here. Like I'm from Connecticut. I like play lacrosse. I'm like, bro, I am in Hoka Haparas and I barely know the difference between a credit and a debit card. <laughs> I'm not the one for you. I hate to mention it. Um, so that was my debacle today, but I, I think I have a bank account. I don't know. It's still pending, but it was just a fucking hour long of like a Chad eyeing me up in my weird shoes. Yeah. I definitely like to avoid the bank at all costs if I do. <sighs> so that sucks for you. I also have two things that I just need to like voice first brands <laughs> need to stop creating flavors. Like nobody asked for. So, you know, again, as like, what are the perks of being a podcast host of this? Like, you know, silly <laughs> podcast, can I get sent stuff, you know, a decent amount. And I have had many different flavors of many different products. Let me just say, if you are a brand, you only need to put product out into the market if it's actually like new and innovative, or if you're like improving upon something that already exists, okay? Like you don't need to like go onto like this fucking like, you know, algorithm and like pull out like the two like flavor combinations that you think people are going to want. It's like, bitch, I don't want like lavender water. Like, I'm sorry. I don't want the flavor of lavender in my water or like, I don't need like, birthday cake like peanut butter like oh dude they literally go onto those random they go on those random name generators and they just say like give me two things two opposing foods that should not go together guys i saw at the grocery store i don't even remember the fucking brand what was it watermelon the popcorn the watermelon flavored popcorn yeah watermelon popcorn what the fuck who is getting money for that meanwhile emma and i want to launch a supplement company to change america and these fucking watermelon popcorn companies are getting funded now (laughs) Do I want to try watermelon popcorn? Perhaps, but like, yeah, there's, we've no, got to have like, an ending. No, here's the thing. Wait, like watermelon popcorn, like that doesn't need to exist. Like just eat the fucking watermelon and eat some popcorn. Like you don't need them mixed into two. Like it's, it's actually absurd. Guys, I'm like, getting pressed at 7 p.m. Well, for cortisol like, levels are rising. No, it's like fucking annoying. I'm just like, grow up. Like this is all so gimmicky. Like, can't we just like fucking eat like regular normal food that like, and like their normal like flavor <laughs> like i don't Everyone understand said- like, it's so crazy <laughs> okay so emma, emma cortisol was high the next one i'd love to hear okay. more about <laughs> okay i i swear to fucking god now i know kate and i we love our little walks too right we have started uh, the movement but, 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 but kate and i have been talking about walks since like 2015 if i if i see one more <laughs> one more TikTok. I swear to fucking God about some bitch being like, you know, the only workout I do is like, just go on a walk. I'm going to lose it. Emma's cortisol levels are fucking insane. I, I just like, it's so annoying. Like everyone's just like, hot girl walk. I'm like, yeah, I got it. Like, whatever. This is boring. Like just shut up. But like all the TikToks that I see of like people just talking about them going on the rocks and like, you know, they always like take like a video of them, like walking in their little like set active set, set with like their coffee and their straw from starbucks no, dude it's robots no it That's freaks me like, out it freaks no, me out <laughs> it's literally depressing like this the origin of that tiktok i made the fugly hag stroll people mm-hmm. want to hear it that follow me on tiktok 
I made it because I was late to solid core and I was looking fugly. And I was just like, if I go on a TikTok and see another fucking hot girl walk right now, I bet that 12 of the girls in my Pilates class have made one before this goddamn fucking class. I'm going to make one. I make one in two seconds, literally in the brain, out the brain. And then like, yeah, Bustle reached out to me and was like, we're so interested in how you came up with this innovative idea. I'm like, two seconds off the dome, two seconds off the dome, like not that complex, but yeah, I can't fucking take it. It's not even about the fact of people going on a walk. It is the fact that it is just like the same type of fucking video repeated. Like I get freaked out about how many people look exactly the same on TikTok. Well, I'm like, who is this video? Who is this video? Like that's like, I don't go on TikTok to watch some bitch walk. Like I'm not trying to see your, I'm not trying to see your foot. That's like in some (laughs) focus, you walk on cement. Like nobody asked for that. Again, Emma, the thing is, it's sad. Some people are. Some people are. I know. And this is why Kate and I need to, like, take over the world somehow and, like, yeah. fucking ban all this annoying content. I'm sick of it. Emma's I, in a dictator era. Well, I'm just sick of it. Like, yeah. people just need fucking lives. Like, people just need to be weird like us. No, true. And, like, my TikTok algorithm is just, like, freaks. Like, at this point, it's curated where I feel like I don't get any of that content or I just, like, block people that are, like, really boring because I'm, like, this is ruining my day. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll shoot you some, like, freaks on TikTok so then your algorithm starts to get, like, mine where you just get videos of, like, yeah, I don't even know what I get these days. But anyways, today we're talking about food waste. Um, back in the serious food, topic, the food and climate change era. We've done a lot of episodes about this subject. Um, this is something that personally, like, I have spent a lot of my head wrapping my my head, my time wrapping my head around. Like while I was in college, I wrote a lot about this and did a lot of research into it. And it's kind of like a topic that's in the back of my head always. But um, you know, if you're someone that's our listener you know, I'm guessing you're in college, out of college, before college. It's kind of like when you have the autonomy to decide shopping habits and you get the first like kind of time to do it. Now, at the same time, like the underlying theme of this episode is that like, if you're a listener of this podcast, you probably don't have enough money to go zero waste. And maybe that's a controversial statement. I know Lauren Singer, who is like the girl, if you don't know that, like saved all of her trash in the mason jar. It's really fucking hard when you think about food deserts and food apartheid and all of the factors that go into our economic choices that like being zero waste is BS in my brain. So this is an episode of just like how to do it the best you can meeting you guys where you're at because like don't want to be absolutist like if you don't have a mason jar of trash in a week you're a piece of shit because like with environmental stuff if you alienate people that aren't 100% perfect we're losing people in the battle. So like you have to bring everyone along for the road, just kind of like where they're at, I guess. So we'll get into the pod. We'll talk about food waste and you guys can hear more. So let's do it. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, CMOS girlies. We are back with our latest sponsor to help your hormones, Funkit Wellness. Hey, Emma, what is seed cycling? I've seen those CMOS girlies make some memes about it. OMG, let me fill you in on all the tea. Seed cycling is the practice of eating certain seeds during each phase of your menstrual cycle to support hormonal balance. Funkit Wellness, they make it easy for you. They are the only dietitian created seed cycling kit. Now, who is seed cycling for? We think all of us CMOS girlies. If you are a CMOS girly looking to tackle your cramps, bloating, we all know we hate that one, irregular cycles, or just seeking to get in touch with your cycle, then you better check out Funkit Wellness. You can use the code CMOSGirlies at checkout. Now back to the show. Our next partner is a product that Emma and I take every single day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted to find a greens powder that actually blended together. The taste is hands down the best greens powder I've been able to find. It even has a mild tropical taste and you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, adaptogens, you name it. For me, I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. I've always known that taking a greens powder is a great addition to one's wellness routine, but I could just never get past the unpleasant taste. This completely changed once I started taking Athletic Greens. It tastes so good that I actually look forward to drinking it every morning, something I never knew was possible. Plus, Athletic Greens contains dairy-free probiotics, and let me tell you, my digestion has never been better. Another thing that Emma and I love is that it's the one thing with the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best of best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go visit athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Okay, so I already kind of did my personal spill food, food waste a little bit. So I went vegan in high school, and that's when I was super compelled to think about my individual act with individual actions with environmentalism, right? I'm going to change the world voting with my dollar. Like I inherited that ethos, very idealistic. I've definitely lost a lot of my idealism now, like now that I have to pay for all my own stuff and that I am just disillusioned about the political processes, you know, at large, but that's a a separate episode. When I was vegan, I got into this kind of like situation when I was a sophomore in college because I was off the dining plan. And then I started to buy my own groceries. I'd go to Trader Joe's specifically. And I noticed that everything in that fucking store was wrapped in plastic. Right. And like, I felt like my actions were so, okay, I'm saying all this in a past tense. So like, don't take what I'm saying on face value, but like, I felt like, oh, I went to the grocery store. I'm buying all these vegan, uh, vegan items. I'm a good person. Right. Like my moral compass is being showed with my dollar and how much I can purchase and what I'm choosing to purchase, like the little choice that I do have. At the same time, I noticed that like all my vegetables are wrapped in plastic. Like, isn't that bad for the environment? It's kind of a fucking contradiction. And so I wrote this whole piece for a college um, thing that got published in a magazine called Vegan Suck. And yes, I chose that headline for a fucking reason, but it was talking about like 
our action is just re like related to what you can buy and what you can purchase. And there's all of this just like virtue signaling with like, I'm vegan, I'm zero waste, I'm this and I'm that. And it just distracts us from the fact that it's so hard to make these decisions. Like if you want to be zero waste, it's pretty fucking impossible. Um, if you want to do whatever, whatever, like at the end of the day, like the systems of government make it so difficult for you to do the right thing like if you know like literally all recycling ends up in the landfill anyways so you can just get really frustrated if you are trying to quote like do good and make change and like that's kind of my space with food waste like I don't really compost anymore like I was for a while I was literally city biking my compost from the freezer to the Union Square Greens market before I went to class like there were times that I was late to college class because I was fucking composting not saying don't do it like this is a, you know do whatever makes sense to where you're at but i just think it's really difficult when you like sc scale out of like how the system is like put in place that like you have to request um like in new york if you want to have a compost bin at your apartment you have to go to the government and file a request it's not given to you so like the u.s government has such deregulatory shit where a lot of european countries like they mandate that like you get fined and you get taxed if you don't compost so that's just like the overall kind of context of food, of food waste. Um, now getting into the stats of it, like we waste about 30 to 40% of the food that we produce, which is like absolutely absurd to think about like, not only things like poverty and like homelessness and like people that don't have food, but just the fact of like, that's almost half the things that we're buying and eating and shit like that. And that's being produced. Um, also in the background, like the global population is expected to increase by 2040 to 9.3 billion which means that you have to think about like how much more food we'd need. And it's about 70% more food than we already have. So like, it's just crazy. Like we're wasting food and we also need food at the same time. Like how can we be in such like a disillusion, like state, whatever, kind of how did we get here? I think the biggest like psychological reason is just like modern life and like our relationship with it. Like in the post-war period, a lot of us migrated to the cities, which meant that most people were very disconnected to where your food came from and like how your food was produced. Like if you're going to the grocery store, you have no idea of like how the food is being made, the farmers, the labor conditions, everything that went into the food. So you're just kind of buying it and getting on with your day. This is mostly speaking about developed countries like the United States. People can now believe you can get food whenever, wherever. It's this combination of like an individualistic country and also this convenience culture. And I think that's like why we have so much more food waste than we were doing like years and years ago. Yeah. And so like the first reason of like why we waste food is going to be pretty intuitive. And it's just like food spoilage along with like food labels. And this like food spoilage can obviously be either like real or perceived. And nearly 80% of Americans get rid of perfectly good food that like they could be eaten due to like misunderstanding of like labels. You know, you look at any label, something could have a sell by date, something could have a best before date, something could have a best by date. And it's like, what do these all mean? Like they all sound the same, but they all could be completely different. And so the state label confusion accounts for nearly like 7% of all consumer waste. And so like one example is like, you know, the best if used by or before, if you see that on a product, most oftentimes like consumers are going to assume that this is like an indicator of like safety. And again, like each consumer is also going to form their own perception around date labeling. Some people are going to be more freaked out if they eat something that's closer to like the date that's like on a package versus others. But what's interesting is that like for this example, this like best if used by date is actually representative of like when a product will have the best flavor and quality and not like so much in regard to like the purchase or like safety date and i think like that's like the biggest thing or like biggest misconception for like most consumers and again there's like no education whatsoever when it comes to like grocery shopping or any of these dates and that's why that like 
so much food that could have been eaten does end up getting wasted because people are so fearful of like eating food that could be, you know, not potentially safe. And also like with manufacturers of like perishable goods, such as like dairy products or poultry, the use of dates that they like label on their products is to help ensure that consumers buy, store, or use their products while they are at what the manufacturer considers their best desired quality and flavor. So again, has nothing to really do with like, you know, the safety of the product, but also these dates aren't like science backed or consistent by brand and product. So like a bunch of different products, you could lay them out and they all could have like completely different dates. And so again, that's like why it creates so much confusion for the consumer when you are going shopping. Yeah. And I think like along the lines of that, when the, there was an analysis done by the congressional office of technical assessment, um, which is in the FDA. And they found that there's little or no benefit derived from the open dating terms of into like when they looked at it from like a microbial safety perspective. So like you're not benefiting from kind of the way that labels are now. And why is that? You might think like me, you know, yeah, meat can go bad at some point. Like people do get foodborne illness from eating food that goes rotten. But when you look at our government, there's no federal or national food date labeling law. It's all piecemeal together. It's extremely inefficient and confusing. So like for the international girlies, like the United States, there's like a federal government, which means like a, a law will apply to every single state. The states on some things can kind of do whatever they want. Um, so like abortion, for example, it's very piecemeal. Like every state has its own law and then the Supreme Court decides. Now, when it comes to food date labeling, like some state might have a really strict law saying that like all food labels must be standardized and look the same way. A lot of states that are typically conservative have a very hands-off state when it comes to regulatory stuff. And they just are kind of like, okay, whatever the company wants to do, y'all can do it. So like one company could have no best buy label and then one could have a really serious one. So it just plays into this consumer confusion. And then the other thing is that there's multiple bodies of government at the federal level. So it's kind of this back and forth where it's like the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, and the USDA are both responsible for food labeling, but hardly, like, neither of them do anything. They kind of just, like, throw it at each other whenever there's a huge issue. So, like, when there was, like, a salmonella break or, like, outbreak or something, a lot of consumers wanted to file, like, a class action lawsuit, but there wasn't really anyone to point to of, like, why this was an issue. And so the government keeps just kind of, like, being negligent from this. And then, like, from the waste perspective, too, like, if we were to create a national law about, like, to standardize the food labels, it would save about 400,000 tons a year from going to waste. Now, I don't even know how much that number like really scales, like big numbers are hard for me to wrap my head around, but just to think that like, wow, we could make this so much easier and solve a lot of the problem, but we're not because our government doesn't do jack shit. Yeah, it's like such a simple solution, but yet like here we are. Um, Next is ugly and imperfect foods. I'll be honest, like I have caught myself, you know, definitely skipping over like produce in the supermarket because I think it like looks ugly. And I think like a lot of people can probably relate to that, but yeah. So it's estimated that globally, like 10 million pounds of cosmetically imperfect food is wasted annually, which is like extremely sad. And psychologists have done like studies and have like argued that like the lack of public interest in ugly food is connected to like self-esteem, which is again, like really sad that like we like tie so much of like self-esteem into like, you know, food and produce and like what we're consuming, but it makes sense. And again, this is because like we've been conditioned to seek out like perfect produce. So the USDA does set out like certain standards, but oftentimes grocery stores will apply another level of like criteria for like these standards when it comes to produce in order to maximize profits. Cause they know everyone's going to like only want to purchase like super shiny apples or like the perfect looking pear or something. And so imperfect produce can often just be turned away at grocery stores and farmers intuitively know this. And so millions of pounds of produce will often just be left to rot in their fields. Cause they know that like oftentimes like they're not gonna really make any money because the grocery stores are just gonna turn this produce away. One example of this is like sweet peppers. 
So with sweet peppers, the USDA assigns them with one of these three grades, which is fancy US number one or US number two. Again, I don't even know what like these terms yeah, mean, no they're very silly. But this criteria is such, a, but this criteria includes things such as like size and how well shaped they are. And, you know, regardless of like the grade, peppers must also be free of like decay and entry from like hail, sunburn, disease, insects, et cetera. But also grocery, grocery stores can apply additional requirements such as like, you know, sweet peppers having four lobes so that they can stand up on kitchen counters perfectly straight without any like support, which is just like an insane like criteria to like ask for like a pepper. And again, it's like every single thing that like comes out of the ground is going to look completely different. So like to expect everything to like be a carbon copy of one another, it's like kind of insane. Um, but again, like grocery stores like have, you know, done work to like educate shoppers, but have had little, have seen little success and like, you know, shoppers actually going and gravitating and like purchasing like this ugly produce. And so instead what some grocery stores have done, such as like Whole Foods, they'll utilize this misshapen produce for like their pre-made foods that they make and sell or like for smoothies at their smoothie bar. And like, yes, these are like good, you know, short-term solutions, but it's not actually addressing the problems, just kind of like slapping a Band-Aid on the issue. And this is kind of like where we've seen like this rise of these different companies, such as like Misfits Market and like Imperfect Produce. I'm sure you guys have seen like ads for these, but essentially you get like a box delivered to you of like, quote unquote, like imperfect produce that would have gone, you know, just straight to the landfill. But there have been like arguments against these companies and critiques that kind of like essentially that they undermine like food banks by taking ugly produce for profit instead of giving it to organizations that could help feed local communities and feed people that are like homeless and like don't have access to food. And I feel like this is a similar argument to like, you know, emerge like well off people thrifting and like, you know, reselling stuff that they're taking clothing away from those that are in need and making additional profit from it. And so like, granted, I think there is like a place for like Misfits Market and Imperfect Produce in the sense of like, yeah, like it is good that they're not, you know, just letting all this produce, you know, end up in the, you know, landfill, et cetera. But also at the same time, it's like, we should also be like, you know, prioritizing giving this to other local communities. So it's definitely like a slippery slope, but yeah, the ugly produce, it's definitely just like sad that we like, you know, are willing to like pass on like not eating something because it has like maybe a dent or it's like a little bit smaller. Yeah, and it's interesting too because like so much of kind of the aesthetic, it's also interesting too because I, I know some people buy the imperfect produce and stuff with the kind of like mindset of like, I'm going to show that I'm a good person because I bought the imperfect produce. Like it's such like a loop, you know, that like it's kind of showing people like how virtuous and how smart you are with your purchase that like I'm able to go get this fancy startup and get my $35 of like a produce box to like show you guys that I'm the environmentally friendly one because I think there is this very competitive place in like eco-friendly especially like how I feel with like sustainability discourse on social media it just gets very one note oftentimes um and like a lot of the creators are not very honest about their own personal habits like they are very like I do everything perfect I save the world like I picked my carrot from my backyard and fuck you if you didn't not saying everyone is like that, but that's definitely like some of the bigger voices. And I feel like that's kind of my perspective with like the imperfect produce stuff too. Like you said, it's, it's a short-term like kind of shortcut thing. Um, the next part about this is that like, it's not only just food labels that we've kind of talked about before that get confusing and lead to waste, but a lot of food just goes uneaten. And why is that? Um, it's estimated that about like 31% of the food grown by farmers goes uneaten by the USDA. It's about the energy, too, that could go into producing all this food that we're literally not eating. Because, like, energy plays a lot. Like, energy is one of the biggest factors of, like, 
the, our greenhouse gas emissions. So if we're using energy to make food that people don't even eat, like that is fucking insane right there. Um, like it's estimated that 3% of our total GHG emissions come from decomposition or the production of food that we never eat. And that right there, if you're bad at scaling shit like me, that is equal to the entire airline industry. Like we could just be flying all these fucking planes around like, and if we actually ate all the food that we did, right? Like that is a crazy um, like relational statistic right there. And then the other thing is smart to think about, like, as we've been saying, like, don't feel like you are a burden with your individual action, obviously care and do what you can, but it is beyond us as individuals. Like restaurants are often forced to waste a lot of food and farmers too. 18% of the wasted food is sometimes like serving too big of portions at restaurants, having too many things on the menu. So they make a lot of like these batches in preparation and then no one orders the food. Um, and then a lot of things have to be tossed like a lot of bakeries I know do that like if they have a baked good item they're just on the street the next night I do know that there has been like a push for bakeries specifically to be able to pair with like local food shelters to give them to the food shelters by the end of the day if no one bought the pastries but like it's just this unconscionable shit where like we are producing too much food that's not being met um, at restaurants sometimes and also there's like a lot of food that never makes it out to the fields and this is not to blame the farmers but like the food system that forces them to be in these growing practices that are like unsustainable so like a lot of one example of this is like 10 million tons of food go unharvested per year because a lot of this is due to the produce that needs to look perfect so there's like some food that never even gets picked because it like knows that it's not going to be sold one day um also like the fao which is like a body of the united nations this is a global statistic said that 3.5 percent of meat and 2.5 2% of dairy is wasted because the meat industry specifically is not good at using all parts of the animals. So like if we want to look at the most significant intervention when it comes to like greenhouse gas emissions, if we reduce meat weight, meat waste, that would be a huge impact because you just think about like how much meat compares to our GHG emissions versus produce does. But the issue here is like once again a systems thinking and there's this book called Systems Thinking by Donella Meadows. If you're in any sort of like environmental studies program you probably have been like recommended to read that because it does a lot of like scaling where intervention points from a policy perspective are effective like example is you buying a metal straw going to change the world no but if we went to this system of government and did this differently it would impact this many more things so the book is really helpful um if you are someone interested in like sustainability i recommend that but basically like when it comes to food waste we have built this vulnerability into the system and what i mean by that is that we rely on things like monoculture, which we've talked about in other episodes about food and climate change, that like we only plant like three crops. By doing that, not having the diversity of crops, it makes the crops more vulnerable to climate change and extreme weather conditions that are going to deplete the crop. So the farmers, since they know like, oh shit, I'm going to lose, let's say 10% of my harvest every year because of rain or drought or something like that, Farmers have to actually produce 110% of what they want to. They have to plant more, more monoculture, so they need to offset the list. So we overproduce once again. Like, instead of like, damn, we should all just step back and like go back to tending to the land or generative agriculture like we used to. We're forcing farmers to like go through this like vulnerable system. And so it's just like pervading the problem. And that's where like the biggest intervention would be. I feel like we get stuck oftentimes thinking about the consumer facing solutions of like, oh yeah, let's just go buy the imperfect produce. It's like, no, let's go back and change it so farmers can actually sell the produce and we don't have to go through all these like bells and whistles to get the imperfect produce in a box someday. So that's kind of the highline overview. And now if you feel stressed and burdened about the problem, that's not where we want to get you, but we're going to give you some tips and like ways to help that I think could actually be effective. Just knowing our, 
audience and our age range and where you guys have reached at basically like not feeling like you guys are the president of the united states have to fix this okay we're back with some tips now the first tip i wrote down when we first started thinking about the episode because it's like something that i feel like the eco-friendly girlies do like you know when you're on a sustainable food blogger and they show you the inside of your fridge everything's in a beautiful mason jar and like perfect sustainable whatever god value um I i always see them with a mason jar with water and they have their herbs in water and I'm like yeah like anytime I go into cat beauty it's always like behind the closed door and it's like a photo of someone's fridge and it's like fucking like their cilantro and this like gorgeous mason jar that probably costs 50 dollars and I've done that before but then I just feel like it's in the way I'm like I don't want to just be like moving my cilantro around I mean happy for them to be included in the fridge but yeah so I wrote that down as a tip to make your produce last longer uh if any of you guys do it, let me know if I'm bullshitting you or if that's actually pretty effective. I don't know. Next one, obvious, I think, is like buy frozen over fresh. Like I don't ever, Emma and I, we used to, we have this saying, we're always like, I never allow myself to buy fruit. Like we sound like we're like freaks, but it's because we buy frozen fruit most of the time. Yeah. I think honestly, like I get so overwhelmed when I have like so much fresh produce in my refrigerator and I like don't want to feel like pressured to like eat, eat like an entire container of Brussels sprouts and a whole head of cauliflower all within like two or three days. And oftentimes like frozen food is actually like more, I guess like quote unquote, like has like more nutrients than yeah. fresh. You often pick right at like true ripeness versus like fresh food. There's often like a lot of calculations, like, you know, avocados or like a fucking, I don't know, bell pepper. I'm making this up. will get picked way earlier. So that like, by the time it lands at the grocery store, it's like at peak ripeness. So it's not even getting like, you know, harvested at like true ripeness. Um, but I also think like another way, this isn't a tip to like make your produce last longer. I think I'm kind of like jumping ahead here, but like just make a list of like things that you need for maybe like two or three days. If you have the ability to grocery shop multiple times a week, I know for me that like it makes it more easier for me to get through my produce. Cause oftentimes if I do like one bulk grocery shop, like throughout the week, I oftentimes like forget that I even have half the fresh produce that I purchased. So that's like another way to kind of again like ensure that you are like eating all of your food like within like a timely manner yeah I agree I think getting used to it I feel like there's people that are like I I don't know they're just kind of like grossed out by frozen produce or something or they think it's like not as good which is definitely not the case like Emma said so definitely get the frozen stuff yes and like other ways that you can help like on an individual level we got a lot of questions about composting and Kate and I have like or Kate mentioned about how she used to compost I used to compost as well. I kind of fell off it. They also stopped allowing like composting during COVID. And I think I just like, I've kind of forgotten about it since then, but essentially, you know, why composting is helpful and how it can address food waste because like it does reduce food waste and it reduces greenhouse gas emissions while also reducing the reliance on like chemical fertilizers and like helps the soil fertility versus like if all that produce that, you know, you are going to compost if that was then just to go into like landfills, it would generate like a ton of methane, which is like a major greenhouse gas. And so if you're kind of someone who's like, I want to get into composting, like, what should I do? My rule of thumb is just to like search in your local area if there are any like public composting sites. So maybe you have a community garden or maybe like at the farmer's market. I know like that's where oftentimes all of the composting sites are for in New York, you know, where you can drop off your compost scraps and just make sure that you like read their guidelines and of like what is accepted and like, because you know, some stuff has to be separated. Some people may not accept stuff like in a plastic bag, et cetera. Yeah, but essentially what- kind of, I want to add like with the compost thing, which I was going to say later, but it makes sense now. Don't feel like you need to go out and buy a compost bin. I think that is one of the biggest issues that I, I've seen a lot of people in the sustainability space say now, but there's this like pressure when you first get into eco-friendly shit of like, 
go buy a mason jar, go buy a compost bin, go buy mesh produce bags, literally use what you have that is more sustainable than going and buying something else. So just like disclaimer there, like Emma said, like always like a brown paper bag or whatever kind of your facility allows. Yeah. Like I, when I was composting, I had a plastic bag that I would keep in my freezer and I would store all my food scraps in the freezer that way. Like nothing would smell and like, you know, nothing would be like juicing all over like my legs when I was like walking into the fucking compost bin. But anyway, if you're like, I don't have access to like community garden, like I live in fucking like Iowa where there's two people in my like neighborhood or something or maybe you're just like you know you have a garden you can create your own composting site in your backyard again I don't know how you do that but there's the internet so you can look it up I'm sure that there is some lovely woman who has a YouTube channel that can explain it to you much better than me so by all means put that in your own hands another thing that we got questions about was like free fridges are these basically community fridges these essentially kind of act more as like a grassroots response to a dire food insecurity crisis that we're currently experiencing and have been experiencing. And these free fridges are especially critical in neighborhoods where traditional forms of food assistance are difficult to access, especially like, you know, in food deserts. And this is like a place where, you know, you could donate pantry items or like produce if you know you're not going to like get through it, or maybe you have like a million things of beans and you're just like, you know what, I'm not going to get through all these like 30 cans of chickpeas that my mom got me from Costco or something. Um, there's also other ways where you can just like donate money so that organizers of these free fridges can go and like fill the fridges with food. Um, so again, this is kind of like a way to help like address food waste. If you do have additional stuff and you are, you know, near a free fridge, I know that there's many in New York city. There's one near me, like kind of near Tompkins or park that I walk past a lot. And I always see people, you know, putting produce in there. And yeah, I guess like lastly, again, one additional note that we already brought up earlier, but again, it's just like to be mindful of how much produce you purchase at the grocery store. Try really only buying what you need for a few days versus a whole week. Um, and you know, I feel like that is just kind of like a huge tip, I think, especially if you're like just buying groceries for yourself for the first time. So I know for me, I'd always just kind of like randomly buy stuff. So like, I never knew what I was doing. Like when I first was in college, but now I've kind of figured out that like, okay, I know I'm going to go through like this much arugula next amount of days, et cetera. Yeah. And I feel like there's a huge push of like the young 20, like money saving tips of like, here's what I get for the week. Like doing a weekly grocery run that has just never worked for me from like the perspective of like overbuying stuff going bad. So like make it okay to go to the grocery store as many times as you need to throughout the week. So like your stuff doesn't go bad and you're overbuying. Um, I know that it's like a privilege if you do have more time, but I just feel like you're not going to waste if you're going like every three days perhaps versus like once a week where you feel like I got to hit everything. Um, last one is kind of like beyond us. It's like more effective to stop at the source of waste, which is going to be growing less food and not wasting it. So like how that relates to us as individuals is just focusing on not wasting food. Like you don't need to go buy the metal straw and do all of this stuff. Like composting is a great lifestyle intervention and there are like certain ways to think about your consumer habits but like waste is something that like we all are on equal playing field we all buy food we all need food so just don't waste it when it comes to like a government like higher up level like here are some things that could change when it comes to like private sector and public sector um i mentioned this earlier but like grocery stores that go and donate like old pastries and bagels like that is a huge thing that is like bringing food to those who don't have it um what, like a high level thing, like the, the EPA and the USDA kind of set this national goal as they do, which like oftentimes they just are kind of like bullshit, like things they don't actually have to meet one day. They're just fluffy promises. But they said they wanted to reduce food waste um, in the United States by 50% by 2040. Now I might tell you that number, you might have no idea what I'm saying, but it's basically just like this huge food waste initiative that was passed by the United Nations in 2015. And so like the US is technically in a line to like meet that goal and standard, but 
who knows how we'll get down to that. Um, there also was a national food waste recovery bill proposed in Congress, but it has been stalled ever since, um, which did not come as a shock considering Congress can't even pass like pandemic relief. Um, in like when it, if you do feel disillusioned by government, like I do every single fucking day, look at the state and local level. It's where the politics is not sexy, but it's where actual change happens. Like federal government's pretty much a lost cause on most things. In Boston, for example, Michelle Wu um, got elected to be mayor and she is incredible. She is a very Green New Deal climate focused candidate. She has this um, huge citywide composting initiative. Uh, basically, her commitment was to like make Boston a Green New Deal city and kind of model what cities across America could look like. And what they did is that she works with uh, the Public Works Department specifically to announce a curbside food waste program. Um, it has rolling online enrollment, which is now available. So if you live in Boston, hit that up. Basically, the food waste collections will align with the resident scheduled trash and recycling collection days, which right there, I'm going to stop. That's great. That's convenient and a very easy list for people, right? You can roll, you can do online enrollment, right? It already comes the days where you get trash. So there's no excuse to do it. Like you don't have to go sign up for some random thing and go do it in your free time. It's just like a habit that you can build. And they also will give compost starter kits to all residents who have enrolled in the program. So like you can sign up online and get a compost starter kit from your fucking, you know, your mayor of Boston. Like we, I think also with government have just become so disillusioned to government doing anything. And like government is supposed to serve you. Like the government should be giving us fucking compost bins. Not all of us have to go buy it in our private homes. Right. Um, so I just think this is an awesome initiative. I think the city will just like be hugely like, um, kind of a, a landmark achievement for like what we can do to like make our cities more climate friendly. It will reduce the city's both like reliance on landfills and incinerators and make it much more convenient for Boston residents to dispose of their household food waste. So like, huge applaud for Mayor Wu. And then like the other thing which I kind of mentioned in the intro is that like, you know, America, we kind of just like wait for people to do the right thing because there's no like super mandatory laws. But a lot of countries in Europe actually tax you if you have any food waste. Like if you throw out landfill and there are food waste in there, like you have to pay for it, like sucks to suck. So that's just another like mindset ethos thing, a much more like communitarian approach versus like a hyper individualism that's rampant in the United States. Um, now, some kind of like companies and like products, like I don't know if people know these or like not know these. We mentioned Imperfect Produce. Um, they sell basically like 30% to 50% cheaper than grocery stores. Um, most of their produce actually comes from California. So they're looking to expand more locally. But like when you look at where specialty produce is produced, like 80% of it's in California. So it makes sense why most of the produce comes from there. Uh, Misfits Market is also mentioned. There's a lot of other ones. There's like a company, you know, Emma and I don't eat at restaurants a lot, but it's called Too Good To Go. Um, you can go and get like, I think they're like reusable, um, like bins, whatever, to get like food from a takeout place. Like I'm so bad. I literally never order takeout. Like, I don't think I've ever ordered Uber Eats. I'm like, what do you get? Like a takeout container. That's what they're making. Like reusable takeout containers, circular loop. Great for them. Um, products that I've like found actually effective are like the stasher bags. Um, they're nice. If you're like, you know, making a lunch bag and you want to put some like snap peas in there or something like that. Bees wrap is also very nice. Um, there's also these things called food huggers, which I would use sometimes if I had like a can and it's like this little silicone like cover thing. Um, so those are some good ones. Emma, any? Yeah, only stasher bags is really what I'm utilizing now. And I feel like they do kind of like help for sure and like keeping things fresh. Um, yeah, I don't have any additional products. I feel like I'm like so tapped out of like all like the eco-friendly like 
products that you would see at what's that fucking store called like package free or whatever yeah um I'm like I, I, don't, even know, like I don't know what the girlies be like using now right I think it's a pandemic thing where I feel like in 2019 there was this like whole force and then I just feel like now it, I mean there is still a force to like obviously be eco-friendly and shit but I just think the pandemic with like people just generally being like yeah I don't want to like you know go into a store to go buy a little sustainable thing like I'm just living at home like people don't have to go into the office and like pack lunches yeah. and shit like that yeah. you know like I think there was less reliance on that type of stuff and also just like a fear of like safety and coronavirus so yeah that's the app that's the app another food and climate change app hope you guys like to got to spice it up with our topics here you know we tell you guys every day in geneva that you can like always give us topics you want to hear about um and also too like a lot of people have said like topics that we've already done you know i know we're girl bosses out here churning out episodes every week but like we have done an episode about adaptogens we have done an episode about birth control so scroll back a little bit and you may find some new ones that you haven't played before yeah and you know if we're really desperate maybe we'll do a repeat episode of something but you know we like to you know have range we don't like to you know cycle through the same few topics on like some other podcasts out here Katie, are doing things a little bit differently we're reinventing the wheel what if we literally went to our old notes and just like recited everything that would be fun honestly people probably wouldn't even fucking remember let's just start on episode one and work our way up bro episode one and like reintroduce ourselves i think we should do that hi i'm vegan maid and Spirulina lady. <laughs> what are I'm you now? Five. Um, I'm Diva. I'm Miss Magnesium. Okay. That's all you girlies need to know. Anyways, a pleasure to podcast with you. Hope you have a yeah. beautiful rest of your evening. Bye. Peace and love. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.